Hello and welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast Podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and I am doing an album review for you guys this week. And this one is going to be about the album Love Drive by the Scorpions, a favorite album of mine. I can't tell you how many times I've listened to it. But you know, it seems like no album uh, at this time is without some kind of controversy. It looks like there was uh, some lineup issues going on. Um, Matthias Jabs played lead guitar on some songs. Michael Schenker played lead guitar on some other songs. Michael started the tour and quit. They got Matthias back. Just kind of a big mess. But it gets even more interesting than that. Now, I always try to put the links to things uh, for you guys in the show notes. So if I have an album I'm reviewing, I want to put a link to where you can purchase the album on, um, you know, on, on the notes. And you can just click on it and go check it out. Grab it. Maybe you'll grab it while you're listening to the podcast, listening to my review, or maybe you'll stop the podcast, listen to the album, and then come back and hear the review, however you guys want to do it. But this is an album that you're going to want to get. Now, uh, interestingly, <laughs> there are uh, there's a couple of different versions of the album and a couple of different covers. Now, the original cover, uh, which was done for the, uh, well, originally it was done for the world, and then that changed because, of course, you know, in America, we can't have anything because we're not uh, mature enough to deal with it. So the original cover had uh, a man and a woman in the back of a what I presume to be a limo. They're sitting next to each other on sort of a bench seat. And for some reason, her breast is exposed and he's got chewing gum, a lot of chewing gum going from his hand uh, stretched, uh, his, his hand that's the furthest away from her, stretched all the way across to her breast. I, I can't imagine a scenario in life where this would ever happen. Maybe an Adam Sandler movie. I don't know. But apart from that, I, I just, you know, I don't know what exactly this is supposed to represent some kind of bizarre love interaction uh, on a drive, I guess. Maybe they're trying to take it literally, but comical. I, I don't really know what the artist was thinking. But, uh, you know, in America, that's no good. And then on the back cover, I believe it was just the woman, uh, same positioning, same uh, exposure. However, without the chewing gum, and I think she was holding a photo of the band or, or he was, I can't remember now. But, uh, you know, in America, we can't have anything like that because how dare anyone, you know, have, have any kind of nudity in public. So they, uh, they changed the album for the American audience to be some sort of metallic scorpion. Um, could have been like a video game character in, in a martial arts style, you know, not necessarily Mortal Kombat because they've already got a scorpion, but certainly could have represented something in maybe Tekken. But it's just this, you know, metallic scorpion makes no sense whatsoever, has nothing to do with the album. It only has to do with the band name. So again, uh, a miss on the concept. I will say the scorpion itself was very cool. I loved the drawing of it. I thought it was very clever, very well done. But what does that have to do with the album Love Drive? Absolutely nothing at all except that that was the, uh, you know, the name of the creatures, the name of the band that did the album. So, um, you know, what do you do when you have to come up with something last minute because the record company tells you that's never going to sell in America, we can't even put it out there, so you better do something different. Well, you hurry up and you do whatever you can. So, um, yeah, lots of craziness going on, but it doesn't end there because why not? So according to Wikipedia, and I think this is right, this album came out in 1979. And uh, that that sounds right. You know, rock and roll was starting to change a little bit. It was starting to head a little towards that 80s sound. You know, disco was was kind of going out of phase and rock and roll was coming back, still competing with punk. It was a crazy time. But apparently during this time, people couldn't do math because in 1979, the album came out in 2015. The 50th anniversary deluxe edition came out. <laughs> 
Now, I could be wrong. Maybe math is not my strong suit, but I'm pretty sure that 2015 is not 50 years from 1979. I'm pretty sure it's more like 36, give or take whatever month the versions came out. So I'm going to say it was more like the 36th anniversary edition and not the 50th, because, I mean, even the the number of the year is a five versus a nine. So you can't have a 50th anniversary right there. Uh, Now, I've I do not have a copy of this version. However, what's interesting about it, besides the fact that it was remastered, is that uh, there are two additional songs. There's a song called Because I Love You, which is a demo version, and a demo version of Holiday. And I love the song Holiday. So that would be interesting to hear. Um, I have not heard it. Now, I have a link into the uh, the iTunes uh, version where you can download the album. That is just a standard album. I also have a link to where you can download the Amazon album. However, I don't know what's going on with Amazon, but there are no song titles. So you really have no idea what you're getting anymore on there. For some reason, like when I release an album and it goes out on Amazon, the song titles are there. There's links, there's samples, you know, everything's ready to go. But a lot of these, uh, you know, bigger artists, for some reason, Amazon has either dropped all the metadata for, for certain reasons, God only knows or they're not getting it properly from the distributors, whatever it is, it's really annoying to uh, to shop on Amazon when you can't verify what you're actually purchasing. And to me, there's so many different releases of albums, and you could hope that the way that they've titled the album is accurate, but you know, you look at the feedback and you're like, oh, I love this bonus track, and I love the DVD that comes with it, and you look and it's just a CD for $9.99, so you can't even listen to the feedback, no track list. How do you know what you're getting? You don't. And that is the frustrating part these days with uh, online shopping. I think I said in my Blackmore's Night review, I was very anxious to see the two CD version that came out, what the material was on the second disc. And I could not find it for uh, quite a while. So uh, actually, I, I, did I, I can't remember now if I actually did find it before I got the CD. I think I found out when I got the CD or maybe like right before um, but like I want to know what I'm paying for before I pay for it because I don't want to spend a bunch of money on the wrong thing and then have to go and turn around and respend money on the right thing. That just doesn't make any sense. So it does get a bit frustrating. So I have the link there, uh, buy it where it's most convenient for you. I can tell you honestly that the iTunes version is just a straight version of the album. I don't think it's remastered or anything. I think it's just the original version that was put to CD. And uh, that is the one that I have. I think it sounds great. I love this album. I love the mix on it. I love the atmosphere of it. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to cover it with you guys today. So, you know, a lot of times I talk about what's going on with me. Screw that. Let's just get right into the album. Um, A very, uh, just a beautiful song to start off. The album is called Loving You Sunday Morning. It's interesting. So many European singers, they sound um, like their uh, their English has no accent to it because they, you know, I believe because they grew up listening to 
um, American singers. And so they learned how to sing that way. And that's why they sound the way they do. And I could be wrong, but that's, I think, at least an influence for some of them. However, when you hear Klaus sing, you definitely hear the German accent uh, that he has. You can understand him very well when he's being interviewed, but he definitely has a, uh, you know, a good, thick German uh, sound to his voice. And it's, it's amazing to listen to him talk and to hear him sing because they're very, very different voices. But uh, he's a great singer. I love the sound he gets on this album. Very strong, very powerful, uh, but also very gentle where it needs to be. And he's got a really good range. He's got a lot of dynamics. He can jump to, uh, you know, to, to notes that are distanced decently well apart very easily. It, it sounds flawless, of course, in the final product. Who knows what it takes to get there? But in the final product, it sounds fantastic. Um, I love the, the audio sound of the album. I think the mix is perfect. It is just one of those albums that just feels good from beginning to end for me. And yeah, there's a lot of nostalgia involved in this album. I, I loved this album since I was very young. Um, the last winter that we lived in Michigan, I, this was one of the albums that was heavy in my rotation at that time. And um, there were like every song on the album was just a hit for me. I didn't feel that there were any fillers or bonus tracks or, or not bonus tracks, but just like any, you know, filler or, you know, songs that really didn't fit or deserve to be on the album. I think it's really just great from start to finish. And Loving You Sunday Morning has some really good changes in it. It's got a great feel. I love the sound of the chorus. All the vocals together sound really good and strong. Um, just a great album opener. And when you listen to it a couple of times and you really start to get a, a good feel for it and kind of, you know, can predict where it's heading because that memorization is setting in, uh, it just becomes a fun song to sing, to bob your head along with. Just a, a great song. And for some reason, I always think of brunch when I when I think of this song. I think about going to a nice restaurant for brunch, probably because of the Sunday morning thing. But in, in any case, I, I just always have pictured that. But it's a it's a great song, a great album opener, and one that I think if you're kind of uncertain about whether you would like this album or not, I think this song warms it up quite nicely. So if you really don't like this song, um, I would say still give the album a chance, you know, kind of take every song on a song by song basis. But this is a good indicator of how the rest of the album feels. Another piece of meat is just a, a good, solid rock song. Kind of tells the story, as, as far as I understand, of you know, kind of what it's like to be a musician and you're coming out of a gig and people are like tearing at your, your jacket and you know trying to rip your clothes off and whatever. It's just a frenzy when you hit a certain level of popularity. And uh, God, I think about what the Beatles must have gone through. You know, <laughs> uh, I don't know if that skyscraper gig or that you know however tall that building was that they did. Um, I don't know how wise that was to play on a rooftop because they're pretty much now surrounded by everyone. So I don't know how they got out. But in any case, I'm sure the police were involved. Now, in the case uh, of this song, it's it's just got a nice, strong beat to it. Got a really good tempo, very upbeat and uh, powerful. The drums sound fantastic on this. I really love the snare sound, especially on this song. I think it cuts through very nicely, but doesn't really intrude on anything else. It's not one of those frequencies that kind of makes your ears just feel like you've uh, shoved aluminum into them. 
Uh, it's just it, it's just a right sound for the song. And uh, there's some really good solo work in here. I like how it speeds up and then goes to half tempo and speeds up and goes to half again. Um, just a, a really good song to enjoy. And it's one that you can definitely rock out to. Uh, the next song, Always Somewhere, uh, you know, of course, you got to have a ballad on an album. And this one um, really just kind of tears at you a little bit. And let's check it out. Just a beautiful song from beginning to end, a very gentle and passionate vocal, one that really just kind of makes you feel like this person is just isolated. Uh, I kind of get the feeling, and I've never actually sat down and read the words as many times as I've listened to the song. Um, I, I'm just not that much of a word guy, but uh, it kind of gives you the feeling of, hey, this is what it's like to live on the road. You're away from the people you want to be with uh, as much as you love doing what you do. There's downsides to it. It's a tough business, and it's tough to be away from people and you know, I love what I do, but there's a part of me that really can't wait to come back and see you and, and that sort of thing. And it's uh, you really feel that longing in the vocal, which is vital to this song working. And it does. There's also some really beautiful guitar solo work in here. And who doesn't love uh, an, a, a tambourine on the accent, you know, heavily reverbed? <laughs> it, was, it seems almost cheesy in today's world. But when you put it back in 1979 or whatever 50 years ago was, uh, it it really kind of just fits that time. Um, but I think it's very tasteful here. I really like it. It's more of a ballad kind of thing. Um, sometimes you can have that in, up, in an upbeat song and it sounds okay. But for, for this song, I think it's a nice accent. It's something a little crisp and, um, and tinny in there to, uh, to kind of slow down the, the dark, mellow mood of the song. So it's, uh, it's a nice blend too. It's not too upfront in the mix which feels good, but it's definitely noticeable. It's not like it's really in the background or, you know, uh, overshadowed by the snare drum or anything. It sounds really good. Uh, but yeah, I've always liked that song. And it's funny, I say I don't know the words to it. I probably do because I know I've sung along to it many times in the car, but I don't actually know the words. Like just trying to sit here, not listening to the song and think of the words, I have no idea what they are. So I don't know, maybe it's just a uh, sound memorization and I really don't know the lyrics kind of weird, but I know that it's a beautiful song. Uh, you can feel the passion in it. And sometimes you don't need to understand the story to feel the passion in it. And you can kind of apply that to maybe something that's going on with you. Um, maybe you're missing someone. Maybe someone is uh, away on a business trip or, or out doing uh, you know some kind of training or you can't get to them because of quarantine or whatever. Um, I think that at the very least, you can connect with the the longing and the emotion of that and that's that's one of the beautiful things about music is it doesn't uh, it doesn't always matter what the words are. Sometimes just the music alone is all you need to feel something and connect with some kind of emotion or energy. And, you know, maybe it helps you let it out. Maybe it helps you, uh, you know, build it up, whatever it is that you need in that moment. But uh, man, one of the one of the most beautiful powers of music, I think. Uh, but it's a great song. Uh, always Somewhere is, is fantastic. 
now we're going to get to uh, the the uh, instrumental on the album called Coast to Coast. Again, you kind of think of, okay, they really were getting into touring. You know, it's their sixth album, so they're old hands at it by now. But but you're like, okay, so uh, so far, three songs probably dealt with being on tour. And I would imagine Coast to Coast is about driving from coast to coast while you're on tour. Maybe it's not. It's an instrumental. There's no indicators. But I love this song. I love the... um, I love the changes in it. I love all the different riffs. I think it's got a really good feel to it. It's a great way to end uh, a side of the album. This was the last song in the first side. Uh, you could have also ended the album with this too, and I think you would have been just fine, although I do really like the album ender uh, that we'll get to in a little bit here. But Coast to Coast is a great song. You kind of feel like it's it's a very unified band in this song. Like I can actually see them standing next to each other, You know, the two guitarists just with the bass player just moving their hips all together at the same time as they play through the riffs and just keeping the the tempo of it and everything. It's it's just a great solid song and you know it's one that I love to listen to over and over again. So here is Coast to Coast. Love, love, love the sound of those guitars, just nice and heavy and thick and distorted and, you know, just a little bit of feedback in there, which sounds great, just adds a little bit more heaviness to it without, again, being that, you know, ear piercing, annoying sound that some guitar players have. But this sounds really good. It's a nice, strong song, especially with the the dual guitar players playing. It doesn't really skip a beat during the solos. You don't feel like you're missing out on anything during those portions of the song. Uh, just a very classy song uh, all the way around. And uh, like I said, again, one of my favorites. Uh, the next song on the album is called Can't Get Enough. And this is uh, this is a good hard rocker here. Um, it's a real up-tempo song, real interesting drum beat to it. Uh, very powerful, just a, a force of nature, this one. Really nice, uh, powerful, growlish vocals and just a great beat, a killer riff. Just sounds so nice and thick. Um, you know, uh, definitely a song worth listening to. If you if you just need to like lash out or headbang or, you know, whatever it is that you're getting off to, that is a great song for just that very thing. It's great to let out some aggression with that one. Um, but it's a great song. And then we follow it up with something that's uh, a little bit different. This has a little bit of an island flavor to it. Um, <laughs> it seems like it, it doesn't fit, but it actually does. It, it's, a, it's a very nice song, taking it down uh, a couple of notches in tempo, but still something that has uh, you know, a nice, slightly upbeat mid-tempo um, 
feel to it. And this is called, Is There Anybody There? So it's a little bit rock. It's a little bit reggae. You know, those uh, those rhythm guitars that are playing offbeat, they're uh, kind of like similar to what the police would do. Um, just has that kind of feel to it. But it it sounds really good. I love uh, the, the voice here. It's so heavy and passionate. Um, and the amount of reverb that's on that voice is actually very heavy. But you, and you can hear it when he stops singing in those sections uh, at the beginning and, and you can hear the reverb decay. There's actually quite a lot. But when he's singing, it doesn't sound like there's that much there. So they might turn it up at the tail a little bit, but uh, but it is an actual heavy reverb. It's just very nicely blended into the mix. The engineer was very, very crafty on this album as far as the, the level of effects go, because the album on the whole does not feel like it's saturated in reverb. Yet it feels very spacey and, and alive as far as the mix goes. It's not like, you know, crunched into these two walls. It kind of feels like it's everywhere surrounding you. And reverb can do, uh, reverb and panning can do that to you. Um, two of the most vital components in mix. The other, of course, being volume. But, uh, but the album sounds great. He did a, an absolutely uh, terrific job with, uh, with the mixing of it. And um, this song is a great example of that because there is a lot going on. And you've got some really heavy, thick, chunky guitars on this album. And you've got a strong vocal. So to be able to, um, you know, find a spot for the vocal in kind of inside of that kind of music is kind of tough enough. But he does it uh, so masterfully. And uh, and that's part of what makes this sound so song sound so good. I mean, it's a good song. Don't get me wrong. I really like it. I think that there are uh, some really great moments in this song. But uh, but yeah, the, the mix has a lot to do with what makes a song like this work, because if it was if it was even slightly unbalanced, I don't think I would like it. So it really just works for me on every level. And I want to talk a little bit about the bass, because the bass is a little bit buried in the mix. You kind of feel it more than you hear it. But it is a very vital part of the so- of all of these songs. Uh, bass was played by Francis Buchholz. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And we also have Herman Rarebell on bass. And uh, these are, are very tight musicians. The rhythm section on this is, is just rock solid. And uh, obviously, these guys made huge contributions to making this album as good as it is. Very solid work from both of them. Um, it's kind of weird that the bass isn't a little bit more upfront in the mix, especially on a, you know, a heavy uh, rock album like this. But it does work. Um, I would be interested to hear a mix with a little bit more bass, but then maybe because I'm so used to this version, it would kind of ruin it for me. I, I really don't know. But in any case, we have what we have. And, uh, and those guys did a, an absolutely fantastic job. Now, uh, Rudolf Schenker, Michael's brother, is the rhythm guitarist as well. So he was backing up either Matthias or Michael on all the songs. And uh, he did a great job. Again, the, the sound that these guys got on guitar is uh is really to me one of the best guitar sounds it just it's chunky it's thick but it's not um it's not heavy that weighs the song down it's heavy in a way that supports the song and i think that's very very vital i hear some people just try to make their guitars so heavy with layers of distortion and low end and all that and it really just kind of kills the song for me but the way that these guitars sound 
Uh, and you can really pick it out in the instrumental too. I mean, when you listen to Coast to Coast, you can really hear just how chunky and heavy they were. Um, really just gives this album quite an edge without having it be something that needs an edge. You know, like it, like the sound is everything it needs to be for a hard rock album, but it's not so hard rock that the songs are, are you know, kind of they lose their way at all or the vocals get buried in it or anything like that. I mean, this is just a very well-crafted album. Um, I would say probably one of my favorites, right up there with uh, Operation Mindcrime by Queensryche. Uh, as far as the sound, the sound goes and the mix goes, uh, those are just these are just two flawless albums to me. Um, but speaking of flawless, let's get to the next song because it is another just fantastic song that I love very much, and it is called "Love Drive," the title track of the album. I love that kind of picking. I, I think about the um, is it the eighteen twelve overture, whatever that one is. I think it's the eighteen twelve overture. Although I couldn't be sure in the moment. I get really mixed up when it comes to classical music. Uh, the song titles just seem to get really lost. I remember the pieces and how they go, but for some reason can never you know sew those to the uh, the title of the actual piece. But in any case, uh, yeah, it just has that that kind of feel to it. Dun, da, 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 da. Really like that. I think it carries the song well. It keeps a good motion forward on it. And uh, I really enjoy that. But it's a great song, a really nice, passionate vocal. Again, uh, he, you know, Klaus is a great singer and he has this way of just really bringing out um, a lot of beauty in a song, even though his his sound might seem a little bit limited because of his accent, but really he's got a really good range and he's not afraid to use it. He's not afraid to use the power in his voice. Uh, just a, a great song. So uh, the title track is another thumbs up for me, of course. And that brings us to the final track of the album. It's called Holiday. Uh, again, slowing things down a little bit. You could see this being the one in the concert where people have all the lighters up or they used to have all the lighters up. I don't know what they do now, but uh, just, you know, a, a sea of darkness and candles and uh, for me, this is a song that if I were in a raft or a canoe and I was listening to this song, I would get out in the clear water and just stop paddling and just let it carry me away wherever it wanted to. It's such a, a beautiful song to get lost in. There are some really great solo bits in here. And, uh, you know, the vocals are really almost more of an instrument in this song than actual vocals because it just kind of carries you along with the music. It's really interesting uh, how that was done for this particular song. But it's kind of interesting too the flow of the album, the combination of fast songs and slower songs and where they chose to put them. I think overall, the, al- the album flows nicely. It's kind of like waves in the ocean. You know, you're, you're up for a high tempo and then you're down for a more ballad type song. Um, but this one is a, a great way to, the, to end the album. As I said, I think Coast to Coast would have been a great album ender as well. They chose this one. I could totally see why. Uh, it just it just has a great feeling to it. So let's check it out. Mm-hmm. 
see what I mean? You can just get lost in those guitars. And I think I'm hearing three different guitars uh, playing in there, at least three different layered tracks. But uh, in any way, it sounds great. And there is a vocal section. There is a section with drums where it does get a little heavier. Um, but uh, but overall, the there's such a, a good portion of the song that's, that just is like that. And then vocals are added over it. Um, really beautiful, really nice. Just the kind of music that you could just kind of close your eyes and drift around the pool or the ocean or wherever you are and uh, just relax and enjoy. Soak it in, if you will. Um, so interestingly, there is another edition of the album that came out that is the 2015 bonus DVD Live in Japan 1979 50th anniversary documentary, you know, that actually was in 1965, 14, al- 14 years before the album was even written, uh, which, you know, maybe they're time travelers. I don't know. But in any case, there is some live tracks on there from the album. There is uh, the song Love Drive. Is Anybody There, Another Piece of Meat, and Can't Get Enough, as well as a documentary, The Story of Love Drive, interviews with Klaus, Rudolf, Matthias, and Herman. So that would be interesting to see. I've not seen it myself. I've not heard the songs, uh, any of those live tracks, but I'm not really a live song person. If I hear a song live, it's mainly because I I was there, I wanted to be there, whatever the case. But, you know, uh, to me, a big experience about the live songs is being there. And most of them are not recorded well. So there's usually mixing issues that I have with it. It makes it really hard for me to enjoy. But there are some albums out there that I I really do love live versions of. Um, But I've not heard this. I've not actually heard any live Scorpions material on record, I don't think. I've seen them twice. Um, Once was at Monsters of Rock, which is a a fantastic performance. And then the next time I saw them, uh, they played with, it was Dio, the Scorpions and then Deep Purple headlined. And, uh, you know, I had to say a couple things. I saw this in Arizona and I was very disappointed that they didn't play the song Arizona. It seems like you would find a way to work that into your set somehow if you're coming to a state that you've written a song about. Uh, so that's kind of weird for me. But then, you know, when Deep Purple came to Vegas on the Infinite Tour, they did not play One Night in Vegas. So some of those things that you would expect just don't tend to happen. Now, whether those songs don't translate to the stage uh, whether they just weren't, weren't right for those nights or whatever, I don't know. Uh, but that always is kind of interesting to me. I kind of expected that uh, One Night in Vegas would be played just like we expected that Arizona would be played and neither were. Uh, but it was an interesting show. I don't think Klaus was feeling well. Um, he seemed to be coughing a lot. And then they, they had these uh, lights on the drum riser. The drum tri- riser was several tiers high and they had these blinding white lights on all of the tiers of the drum riser. And when they flashed them, it just, you know, you're just like, I wish I could be 3000 feet further back from where I am right in this moment, because it was just blinding. It was really annoying. And I thought, you know, they've got to be working with people who have done this for a long time. And I don't know who designed this lighting rig, but it's hideous. And I was pretty surprised, you know, because you would think a couple of gigs in, they would be like, you know, this isn't really working. Everybody's kind of covering their faces whenever we do this. So we've got to, we've got to change this out, at least put some different color bulbs in there or something, but just these blinding white lights, which really took away from the show for me. But, uh, but in any case, I, you know, I've enjoyed seeing them live. I would see them live again. If I had the opportunity, they're a great band and they've got some great albums. Maybe I'll cover another one down the road. Who knows? Um, But this, this album in particular is very special to me. I've always loved it. It was the first one I got to know by them. I knew some songs like, you know, the stuff that they had on Blackout. They had videos for like Rocky Like a Hurricane and that on MTV. And I got to know a little bit of the stuff there. Very hard edged. Um, this is kind of that that perfect uh, resting place in music for me where 
it's it's heavy it's you know rock and roll but it's not like really aggressive rock and roll it has a really good sound to it it's uh it's heavy but not chunky it just it's just like the perfect album for me it sits right that in that space that i love so much and that's probably a part of either why i love that space or why i love this album i don't know which but in any case, I do love this album. I hope that you guys have enjoyed it. Uh, check it out. You know, go on to, well, I was going to say go on to Amazon and listen to clips, but you can't. So go on iTunes and listen to some clips. The link is there in the show notes and, and check it out. You know, see what you think. You'll probably hear different clips from what I played. But, you know, it's like 10 bucks. There's guaranteed to be at least a couple songs that if you like this kind of music, you're going to like on this album. You may end up liking the whole album. So check it out. Enjoy it, guys. Thank you for joining me for another episode. I hope you enjoyed my show last week where I got the great pleasure of interviewing Ted Neely. Uh, it was kind of a last minute thing and uh, was really grateful to do that. Also, thank you to Frank Munez, who is Ted Neely's business partner. They've done a wonderful documentary called Superstars. They've released the extended cut of that this year. Uh, and that is why he was doing a round of interviews. So uh, working with them to get a, a screening venue here in Las Vegas when things open up. And I guess uh, some of the theaters have just opened. They're now showing Godzilla versus Kong, uh, which could be a very interesting movie. It could be horrible. Who knows? But uh, the trailer looked interesting anyway. And so hopefully with the theaters opening up, I know Cirque du Soleil has got a couple of uh, show openings planned for July. So hopefully we'll be able to get something together uh, before too much longer and have a screening of the documentary here in Nevada. Uh, that would be lovely. It's a, I've seen it. It's a very emotional, um, very powerful documentary. If you've uh, spent your life with this movie like I have, I was 13 months old when it came out. Um, it, it's, it's something that's been a part of my life uh, the entire time. So I have a very special connection to it in a couple of different ways. And that's uh, certainly it was a, a, a great pleasure for me to see new footage. There's a, a great tribute to Barry Denon and uh, one to Carl Anderson. Um, just a very touching thing. So grab a box or two of tissue and rent that on Vimeo while you still can. They're doing a, a special, I think, through the end of uh, April into May, maybe. I can't remember now off the top of my head. But uh, but go check it out on Vimeo. The, that, uh, those links are in the show notes from last week's show. And we'll see you next week. I have another great interview that I did with a dear friend of mine, a returning champion, if you will. She has an amazing project out. Uh, well, it'll be out as of the day that the episode releases. And you can grab it on Amazon. You don't have to worry about listening to any clips because it's a book. And um, it's a fantastic concept. The book's not out, so I haven't read it yet as of this recording. But I can't wait to. I have some friends that are uh, writers in the book. And it's, it's going to be, no doubt, a very powerful and emotional book. So thankfully, I've already bought my box of tissues for the Superstars uh, documentary, extended edition, and whatever's left I can probably use while I'm reading this book. So you guys have a great week. I hope you had a, a great Easter. Hope you had a great weekend. Whatever you celebrate, I don't care. Just celebrate something. Be good. Enjoy your time on this earth while you have it. Because, you know, life is short. It goes by fast. And it's important that we enjoy it. Make good memories. Do good things for ourselves and for each other. Take care, guys. We'll see you next week. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>